Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello and welcome to episode 298 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about a case presentation of wobbly legs. We're going to be going over a lumbar spine evaluation turned into a cervical spine evaluation. We'll be discussing our order of evaluation and why we took the road that we did. And then we're going to piece together the evaluative findings and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs, and they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Hello and welcome back, everyone. So every once in a while, I like to throw into the podcast a patient case presentation just to expose you to something a little bit different. I know that OEP usually does orthopedic style podcasts and and, uh, content, but I think it's important for us to look outside of the box once in a while and understand that our our job uh, as providers of all sorts, it doesn't matter if you're an FNP, PA, PT, OT, um, it, it doesn't really matter. You need to be able to evaluate patients and make decisions. You don't always have to treat patients. And this is a classic example of how this works. So I'm going to piece together this evaluation. So, you know, stay till the end because uh, that's when you're going to find out what the diagnosis is and uh, how we manage this particular case. So if some of you have been following me in the past or following me for a while, you're probably going to figure out this one pretty quickly because I have done other podcasts that would kind of feed into this one today. So here we go. We have this 46-year-old male uh, who one month ago started to develop some paresthesias in his leg, okay, left leg. So at the time, apparently he was busy helping out the people in uh, in his town, put up some flags for a holiday, so lots of lifting of ladders and flags and uh, taking things into and out of a truck. And then slowly after that, started to develop some paresthesias in both legs. So he saw his local provider and uh, they tested his reflexes and noticed that uh, he had a little clonus uh, in one of his ankles. So with that being said, the patient went to see his uh, PCP who ordered an MRI of his lumbar spine to find that he had uh, some one-sided bulging discs, really just single level findings, uh, but nothing that showed any significant or severe foraminal stenosis or central cord stenosis or anything like that. So he was then referred to a neurosurgeon and this particular neurosurgeon lives uh, or works five to six hours away from where the patient is. So they did a telemedicine visit with the, with the patient. I receive a phone call immediately after that visit from the neurosurgeon and uh, the PA that works with him who did the evaluation of this patient. And Um, asked me to do a physical exam on this patient because obviously through the telemedicine was not able to do a a complete exam. So 
It just happens uh, that I happen to have a, a cancellation about two hours later after that phone call. I had the patient come in, and the patient lived about an hour away from me, so that was a little bit better than traveling you know, five to six hours one way and then five to six hours back for an evaluation with the neurosurgeon. So patient came right in, and the first thing I noticed when he walked through the door is that he had this kind of a wide base of support. And um, I asked him, I said, so have you always walked like that? And his wife was coming in with him, and she says, yeah, he's always walked with his toes out, kind of a, a retroverted gait. Um, but I did notice a slight incoordination, a little difficulty lifting his legs up. So I brought him into a room, had him sit down, uh, and had to take like several steps to get himself turned around to sit into the chair um, before I started asking him questions. So I'm going to try to put this together kind of in the order that I did it in um, and so that you can think in your brain how this kind of all falls together. So subjectively, I asked him, number one, I said, how much pain are you having? And he said, really, I don't have a lot of pain. But he said, the tingling in my legs is getting worse. He said, I'm tripping a lot more. And he said, since this all started, he's fallen two or three times and he's feeling pretty weak. He also has noticed some you know, low energy. He has no low back pain. He has no cervical spine pain. And he doesn't report any upper extremity issues. So I asked him if he had any sudden weight loss. And he said no. Um, you know, I'm thinking in the world of neurological issues here. Uh, just because of the way he walked in. Um, and his complaints of generalized weakness and the fact that this is bilateral. Uh, so I asked if he had a family history of any neurodegenerative disorders like MS or ALS, and, and the answer was no. He's had no fevers, no infections. He's not taken any trips to any foreign countries. And usually up here where I live, we live right on the Canadian border, so it's usually other countries uh, besides Canada, because for us, going to Canada and coming back is pretty much a, a daily routine uh, that happens quite frequently. But, you know, somewhere maybe where they would have, uh, you know, uh, received an infection of some sort. And uh, the answer was no there. Uh, I asked him if he'd been bit by a tick or if he had any bullseyes. And uh, his wife did bring up a picture of a uh, an unusual bruise-looking uh, area just above the gluteal and uh and I, I checked him out also and there was no real bullseye there and they they didn't he, they thought maybe he had tripped fallen or, or bumped up against something and, and had a bruise there so with all of those things pretty much being no uh I then started my evaluation and so we start, I always like to start with reflexes, and because this was more of a lower extremity issue, I started with the lower extremity, so I tested his L4, and he was extremely brisk on both sides, uh, not just one side, and then I did S1, uh, his Achilles, and when I did, I noticed that it was brisk, but also developed a little bit of clonus, and if you want... Uh, I have a video of this patient. You might be able to see this in the video. So be sure to stay to the end. Click on the link and you'll be able to see our evaluation or brief evaluation of this patient. So there was a little clonus when I tested his S1 reflex. From there, so I want you to keep that clonus in mind. From there, I tested his sensation. Sensation was altered throughout the lower extremities with no particular dermatomal pattern. He just 
had a hard time identifying if um, one side was stronger or, or less than the other or, or how that was. So I really couldn't get much information from that. I then did some manual muscle testing to find that he had weakness in his uh, big toe extensors both sides. Inverters, everters were weak on both sides. Dorsiflexion was about three plus over five. He could not stand in plantar flex uh, on one leg. He, he couldn't do one uh, heel raise. His quads were like four minus over five both sides. Hip flexors were super weak. He had a hard time. He And you'll see in the video, he has a hard time flexing the hip, flexing the knee, and bringing his foot up to the other side so he could put his socks and shoes on, which his wife is now starting to help him do. Um, we did notice during our evaluation that he did have some um, tight hips. Uh, he had loss of internal rotation and flexion passively. And I noticed this while he was sitting there and I just did some internal external rotation. I always check that when I'm checking somebody's back just to see if there's some element of hip uh, dysfunction that could be causing back pain or an irritation around the, the low back. And he kind of presents like somebody who has congenital hip dysplasia, and apparently he has always been like that. Um, so I'm not too worried about that. It didn't reproduce a lot of discomfort, just a lot of restriction. Um, now back to the testing I wanted to go back to this clonus that I had seen with the reflex testing. And when I dorsiflexed him quickly, he did have clonus on both sides at his ankles. From there, I did a Babinski sign, and that was positive with upgoing toes. Uh, not only the big toe, but all of the toes were upgoing, uh, which you'll see in the video. And then I tested, I did a straight leg raise test, which was both negative in sitting and supine. And that did not reproduce his discomfort um, or increase paresthesias or anything like that. So remember that. We did a straight leg raise. It didn't reproduce the symptoms that he came in with. I then flipped him over onto his stomach and uh, did a prone knee flexion test, which was negative. And the reason I tested is because his MRI did have some findings around L3, L4 of some mild to moderate nerve root compression, uh, but nothing severe there. And it did not reproduce the symptoms he came with. So now let's go upstairs, meaning let's go to the cervical spine and um, above the waist, basically. So I start his deep tendon reflex testing. And I know what you're thinking now. This is all going to be abnormal, but it's not. His deep tendon reflexes for C5, C6, C7 bilaterally are normal. Sensation is normal. I do manual muscle testing throughout the upper extremities, and he is strong as an ox. No giving way of the arms. His intrinsics are fine. Wrist extension, wrist flexion, shoulders, full range of motion there. Cervical spine compression test is negative. The Spurlings test is negative. Active range of motion is within normal limits at the cervical spine. So full rotation, full flexion, full extension. Uh, lateral flexion is fine. Now, when we were doing the flexion of the cervical spine, we just kind of take Lermite's sign into perspective here. We we kind of throw that into that exam. And Lermite's is where you have the patient um, kind of fully flex a cervical spine. And uh, if they get any like shocking sensation into the arms or legs, you have to really be uh, aware of that. That's uh, kind of one of those signs that you need to get somebody over to a, a neurosurgeon pretty quickly. But the patient did have this pulsating sensation down throughout his spine when he did that. So that was probably one of the, the things that jumped out at us. I did a Hoffman sign to find that 
that was positive bilaterally. So a flick of the middle finger, and he had a little bit of flexion at the thumb. Uh, index finger kind of moved a little bit there on both sides. I then took him from there and did some standing balance to find that, you know, when he was standing on both legs, did okay. Um, you know, fair with his eyes open. When he closed his eyes, he started swaying quite a bit. I then asked him to stand on one leg, and uh, no way. Uh, he just gave right out, and I had to catch him before he fell, and this happened on both sides. So just significant weakness in both legs with that. Now, I gave you a lot of information. It's hard to process all of this, but let, let's try to just break this down. So as far as waist down, he had a lot of findings clinically, but had a negative MRI. Everything was bilateral. So because of that, this is more likely to be some sort of an upper motor neuron lesion. All right. Um, he did have a positive myelopathy cluster, but not a radiculopathy cluster. So usually radiculopathies happen one side or the other, not necessarily on both sides. Um, you know, he had the, the instability when he walks, the globalized weakness, the positive Hoffman's, positive Babinski. Um, those are all positive signs of that. Um, I did a Sperling's test and that was negative along with that cervical spine compression test, which was negative. So, you know, very tricky eval here. Uh, one of the other pearls that I want to throw out here is that his weakness was painless and smooth. Okay. So if you manual muscle test somebody and that giveaway weaknesses is just kind of really smooth, that's more likely to be neurological than somebody who has kind of a cogging effect. Uh, and the other thing is that his, his weakness weakness was painless, which means that it was not a, a direct muscle or tendinous type of irritation or inflammation, and uh, and he did not have any cogging with that. So that's something else to take into consideration to think that this is some sort of a neurological issue. So with that being said, I had the patient in the office. I called his neurosurgeon, which took my call right away, and um, I gave him the lowdown on the clinical exam, and he wanted to order up an MRI stat. So within two hours, we had him into an MRI and uh, had uh, an, an MRI of the cervical spine to find that he had significant flattening of the, of the spinal cord at C5 and C6. So with that being said, uh, they brought the patient down uh, quickly within about two days for a decompression and fusion surgery. And, um, you know, the as far as the prognosis on this, I know you're all wondering, well, you know, will this guy get better? Will he progressively get worse? Really, this surgery is to prevent further compression and, and spinal cord damage. So hopefully he stays like this or gets better. Now, with my experience, people do get better, but usually not 100% better. And if they do, it usually takes one to two years to show all of that, you know, maximized improvement. So they have to be patient, they have to be told that they have to be patient. Um, these people need to be in therapy for balance retraining, restrengthening, reconditioning of the uh, lower extremities. And then we talk about a progression back to work and, and whatnot. So um, kind of an interesting patient presentation. I know that you're all thinking that, wow, his upper extremities look great. He had really not a lot of neurologic findings except for the Hoffman's, which is what drove us to the cervical spine MRI. Um, 
but hopefully this gentleman will get better. Uh, we hope to see him soon. He's had surgery just a couple days ago from my recording of this, and uh, we will recheck and uh, maybe do a podcast on uh, his reexamination, how he's doing, and uh, the direction we're going to take with him. So if you want to see a video of this patient, uh, click the link in the show notes. You know, we need to thank these patients for showing us their scenarios because really this is what helps everybody understand this better. We can talk about this in school, but it's nothing like seeing it on a on an actual patient. So um, we give a huge thank you to all of our patients who uh, demonstrate for our videos, and we have over 500 videos of and multiple of, of videos with patients in them um, demonstrating. So along with the video of this patient, I'll also send you some videos that complement this podcast so you know what a Babinski looks like what a Hoffman's looks like and maybe a couple other neurologic videos um so this patient was you know nice enough to stop by just before surgery the video is a little modified it's not as comprehensive as today's podcast only because patient was on his way down for this uh five to six hour trip and uh was nice enough to stop by quickly uh before heading down and uh, doing this video so be sure to check that out and uh, give a shout out for this patient because uh we we wish him the best and uh we want to thank him for demonstrating for us so folks i want to thank you so much for listening to orthway valve and for following us. Tell your colleagues about us. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and at orthoevalpal.com. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there. <laughs>